This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 124. I'm James L. Rubart, but my friends call me Jim, so that's what you should call me. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And I'm Joanna Penn. And in this episode, we're going to talk about one of the most critical aspects of writing, and one that I suspect is probably the most overlooked, and that is our health as writers. And we're going to be talking today with our friend Joanna Penn about this. If you're not familiar with Joanna, you need to get to know her. She's a New York Times and USA Today bestselling thriller author, as well as a nonfiction author who writes books for authors. She sold over 500,000 copies of her 24 books in 84 countries and five languages. She's an indie author, she's a speaker, and she was voted one of The Guardian UK's top 100 creative professionals in 2013. She lives in Bath, England, although she is an avid traveler, so she likes to go all over the world. And we are happy to have her back on the show. Joanna, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back, guys. It's always fun to talk to you both. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And you're in very rare company. We very rarely have anyone back to the show. So <laughs> I feel very special. <laughs> well, you need, you need a woman, obviously, and you need a Brit. So, you know, I'm bringing it. Oh, uh, I like that. <laughs> you yeah, like both of those right. boxes. It's excellent. <laughs> Well, we're excited to talk to you about your latest release, The Healthy Writer, Reduce Your Pain, Improve Your Health, and Build a Writing Career for the Long Term. So first question is obviously, where did this book come from? How did you get inspired to write it? Well, it's so funny, isn't it? Because I think with nonfiction, particularly, you end up writing the book you need the most. <laughs> and this this has happened to me over and over again with nonfiction. Like I ended up writing The Successful Author Mindset because I was crippled with self-doubt. And then I realized that other people had the same problem. <laughs> so with The Healthy Writer, I'd been talking actually on the podcast a lot about my RSI. So I got to a point where, um, you know, my repetitive strain injury in my right arm was just really painful. I I had I I didn't really talk about weight gain but I was feeling like I was very heavy I was leading a sedentary life I was getting back pain I actually had got to the point um where I was in hospital um having scans for possible spinal tumors like oh, my back wow. pain yeah my back pain was so bad that it was waking me up in the middle of the night um and uh, also I had headaches migraine though I just had a lot I was definitely a sugar addict like I had addiction issues we we don't like to think of sugar addiction as a real addiction but it no. totally is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry um, but all of these things and I, I started to share it on the podcast and I started to get people emailing me and talking about this and then one day I got an email from a doctor Dr Ewan Lawson a listener of my podcast and he said look uh, you've been talking about health I want to write a book on health maybe we could co-write a book and I was like okay that's an interesting idea I don't and I'm not qualified I am not a doctor and he is and I thought well that's interesting and then I did a survey on the creativepen.com and we had over 1100 authors reply uh, talking about their different health issues both physical wow. and mental yeah it was it was and it was heartbreaking it was yeah. yeah really and but the pain the, the amount of pain that writers are in uh, is incredible and I was like we have to write this book so it's it was a combination of something that I desperately needed myself and then a recognition that this is something that's very needed in the author community, especially in a time where the prevailing um, knowledge or the prevailing wisdom is write more books. So if you want to be prolific as an author, you need to look after your physical health. 
Well, I like the way you say in the title that it's for long term, right? You can burn it for a while, but then you 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 start burning out, and I'm sure you saw that in some of the surveys. Yes, and I I also think that um, I mean I. I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that we are all of a certain age, <laughs> the three of us. I mean, I think if, you, if you're 25 and you, you just don't even feel this stuff, it, this is definitely a long-term uh, cumulative issue. So I've worked in offices, you know, before I was a writer, I worked in, in the corporate world. So, you know, pretty much since ooh, 1997, I've been working on computers um, and that just builds up, builds up the kind of habitual way we sit, the habitual way we eat, all of these things build up and we have to start changing those habits if we want to have longevity in a healthy body in the same way that if we want to be a writer for the long term, we have to write. <laughs> I mean, if you stop writing, you'll, you will quit being a writer in the same way that if you quit moving around, your body's going to give up at some point. So I do think the two are very related. And yeah, if you, the main reason, well, one of the reasons, one reason is you should feel good in your body and you should enjoy your physical self but also if you want to be a writer for the long term then looking after your body is the best way to do it yeah it's a marathon not a sprint and it really applies to marketing too a lot of reasons why authors don't market isn't because they don't know what to do it's because they don't have the energy to do what they know they need to do because it's a lot of work you know promoting your book and getting it out there and writing blog posts and optimizing your Amazon pages and checking your Amazon ads. All of those things require energy. And if you don't have the energy, it's really easy to put it off and cut corners. And that ultimately can sabotage your marketing if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. And also, I would almost spin it as well in another way in that if you start doing things differently with your physical movement. So let's talk about, you know, dictation, for example, say that you are getting a lot of wrist arm back pain, and you need to move more as you write, then moving to something like dictation, you can actually, um, you know, go walking with that. And what I've, I found with walking particularly is that I get ideas for marketing. Mm while I'm out. So if you're dictating something and then maybe you see something, you're like, oh, well, I could I'd just take a picture of that now and write, you know, dictate some notes and then come back to that later. Or even just taking pictures can be awesome marketing, like um, using pictures on Instagram or pictures on Twitter. Uh, I often take pictures when I'm out doing walking. I, I've done pictures while I'm out dictating. <laughs> um, you know, all these different things can actually be part of your personal branding. Um, you know, when I came on the show last time we talked about content marketing and so often you can create whilst integrating your movement so right now this is marketing me being on this show is marketing for my book the healthy writer yeah that's you know one of the reasons i'm here i love you guys but <laughs> it's one of the reasons um, of course, but, at, yeah. but at the same time i'm standing up right now i'm at a standing desk um so and uh, it's not about weight loss but you do burn more calories when you stand up but also you make more micro movements so i can kind of lean side to side i can move my arms around more I can stretch while I'm speaking to you so I think one of the big things with marketing and physical movement is trying to integrate both of those into your life so that it's not oh I do marketing at this time and I do writing at this time or I do exercise at this time it's like how can I integrate health and wellness into my writing how can i integrate marketing into my writing and you know to it's more of a lifestyle 
movement, I think, than a um, you must do this at this time type of approach. And I will say a standing desk is a great thing to do for creativity and health. And if you live in the United States and you're a professional writer, the purchase of a standing desk can be tax deductible. <laughs> so we were talking in our, <laughs> oh, our tax course. I'm pretty uh, sure it is everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's definitely everywhere. There, there's yeah. a line called <laughs> furniture and fixtures. And you it, it's that you're buying furniture for your office. And the fact that it actually, you know, contributes to your health and, te- and instead of to your sickness, IRS doesn't care about that. They just are like, oh, yeah, furniture purchase for a company, a totally tax deductible. And I got the standing <laughs> desk at Ikea, and it was a really great deal. And it's got a little motor. And so you can push a button, it goes up, push a button, it goes down and I've been able to start standing a lot more while working. It's been amazing. Oh, that's, do you know what? I have the same desk and the motor quit after about two years. Oh no. <laughs> so, so I now have a, a topper. So if people, and if people want, you know, if you just look up desk topper, um, there's stand, stand, and there's other things. Um, but basically I, it's just um, a thing that you put on top of a desk. So, and you can take that to a cafe oh. if you want, you know, so you, you, obviously buying a new desk can be quite a big purchase, but these toppers or even people just use boxes, um, so what we don't want to do is make um, cost a reason not to do stuff. So even if you're just standing up and you've put some boxes up, and I, I do think getting an ex- an external keyboard if you're using a, um, a laptop is really important because your hands need to be at a certain level if you're writing. Um, but certainly there's lots of ways you can kind of hack the standing desk idea. No, no, I'm here. The, the thing I'm loving you hear, I love hearing is how organic this can be, how it's all free flowing together, how it's making choices to make it not, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but I'm actually changing my lifestyle and the way I approach everything in regards to my health. Yeah. And actually, it's so funny because the book came out in, um, well, we you know put it onto Amazon in, in the end of November 2017. As we talk, it's February 2018. And I think my life has changed so much since the book even came out because of this organic feeling. So by writing the book, I actually learned a lot about myself and my own issues around particularly food. Now, I think a lot of us have emotional issues around food (laughs) and writers particularly because we use our brains so much and it's very tiring eating sugar is a really quick way to impact your brain it's like oh sugar mm, hoover it up use it to (laughs) write more things (laughs) um but the rest of the rest of our body doesn't really appreciate the uh large family pack of harry bows which was my (laughs) which are like those gummy (laughs) sweets yeah my nemesis harry bows and so what's really interesting is i've started to reframe exercise as movement so you hear me talk about movement rather than Mm. exercise because exercise has become quite a negative word I think it's like oh I must go and exercise right I have to yeah yeah and it becomes like a punishment whereas talking about movement is like okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna walk uh, up the stairs because it's movement or I'm gonna have a standing desk because it's movement or I'm gonna go for a walk uh, to get uh, some space for my brain and it's movement you know so it's a really different framing around movement and then with food instead of saying I'm on a diet I say I'm eating food that makes my body happy. Um, And of course, there's a difference between your sort of sugar brain. (laughs) Um, And I keep mentioning sugar because in the book, I have a letter to sugar, which is a very personal kind of look at one of my problems. Doesn't mean it's everyone's problem, but um, really coming up against... uh, 
things that have happened in our lives and actually do affect our physical health uh, can be a very powerful process. And of course, as writers, one of our jobs is to talk about the things that is hard to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Let me ask you this, Joanna. This is this is I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. When I get done doing an audiobook or I get done finishing the first draft of a novel, I I I feel so emotionally spent. Are there ways for us to refresh? Because we have to have periods of refreshment and restoration. How do you attack that? Yeah, well, and to be honest, I think if you don't feel completely empty after you've finished a book, then you haven't worked hard enough. <laughs> <You're doing laughs> that's good. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you should leave everything on the page because we we know that when you give like don't save your ideas for later, pour mm. everything out on the page that you can. Obviously, don't just chuck in random ideas, but you know, you should feel empty afterwards. And I think there are two aspects. So first of all is the practices that you put in place in order to create. So um, I do think that movement should be part of your daily habits. Mm. So I tend to do my write, my first draft creation type work between 7am and kind of 9, 9.30am. And then I go to um, a yoga class or I go for a walk or I do some kind of movement uh, in, in almost to change my state to then when I come back, I'll do marketing stuff, which uses a different part of the brain, I think, than creative work. Um, so there's the practices that you put in place to sustain that first draft, um, you know, eating food that you're, that nourishes your body rather than hurts it. And then once you've finished, I do think I agree with you that you do, you should be scheduling time to recover. Now that will be different for different people. Mm-hmm. So I like to think of it as the seasons. So in Britain right now, it's kind of winter and it's kind of dark and things aren't growing much. And, you know, that is a a winter period that I feel almost comes after we've given everything to the book. We have this sort of winter fallow period. And then the spring comes again. So that's what happens. You need to just give it a bit of space or write something different. So I was telling you before we started recording you know in December I was kind of burnt out I did three novels under my three different pen names and I was like I'm really empty I can't I don't want to start another book right now so I wrote a screenplay because for me the creative side is so important but I just wanted to do something different so I wrote a screenplay and that satisfied my creative side without kind of burning me out in that other way. Well, it sounds like that was actually, that was play for you. You were playing when you did that um, more than the intense side of writing. Am, am I reading into that too much? Oh, yeah. It was it was so much fun. I mean, yeah. well, so as we talk, I've written this one screenplay and I had so much fun. So if, I don't know if we talk again in like a year or two and I'm like, yeah, I'm a screenwriter now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much fun. It's very, very different. And I mean, that's another another tip really is if you're feeling like, oh, I just cannot bear writing another romantic suspense, <laughs> you know, then uh, change it up. Write something different because often changing your focus can actually make things uh, come alive again. And then you can go back to that other genre or that other pen name or whatever else you, or the marketing. I mean, actually, this is really important. Like I, I'm not, 
I'm an absolute fan of paid advertising, you know, like Facebook ads and Amazon ads and BookBub ads and stuff, but I do not find it nourishing to my soul. (laughs) So, you know, I'm going to, what I tend to do is I really push it for a short amount of time and then I stop it because if I try and do it every day, I will slip my wrists. So (laughs) for me, it's very much a periodic thing and that's another way to manage your energy is okay this is a task that I have to do but does not energize me so I will allocate some time Mm. like everyone has to allocate time to like clean the bathroom or whatever (laughs) Um, and I will do that job and then I will do something fun like write a screenplay so you have to manage your energy cycles for all these different tasks and I think giving yourself permission to rest is really important. I know a lot uh, for a lot of authors are so driven. They feel like they're taking a break. They're doing something wrong. And so even if they're physically not writing, they still feel guilty mentally and they're not getting that emotional break. It's like it's OK to let the fields rest every once in a while and <laughs> receive nutrients from the sun and from the water. You don't have to be going at, you know, 100 miles an hour every day. That's so. Yeah. That is so important. And that's why I think that um, natural cycle of the seasons is so important to consider. The fallow time is just as important and the filling the creative well is just as important as as the output. But it's interesting also because... I said to Ewan, in fact, that doc, Dr. Ewan, um, I, I think we need a chapter on nootropics, uh, which are sort of these brain drugs. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of Silicon Valley. They're all trying to hack their brains and the kind of biohacking movement. And, I, you know, I was like, there must be supplements and substances that we can talk about in the book where writers can, you know, work harder. You know, you hear about college kids taking these different drugs. And what was so funny, so we do have a chapter on that. But what's so interesting to me is that what came out was the best nootropics, like the best way to hack your creativity to be the best version of yourself is to sleep <laughs> like it really is yeah i know it's no. like really not what we just have to like if you sleep well and you eat food that nourishes your body and this is really important so you eat and you sleep and you move then you can hack your brain you can be more creative you can be more productive like these it's so funny because it turns out that all you know we know this it's the same as get your butt in the chair and write we know this it's just that it was so funny i really wanted him to kind of find some evidence that if we just took this drug <laughs> it's like if i just <laughs> yeah or it. if i just run this one <laughs> facebook ad i will be rich <laughs> It's exactly the same. But my lack of sleep is a measurement of how manly I am and how dedicated I am. (laughs) How hard you work. Exactly. Or even like you mentioned, like the question on what do you do when you're really tired after the end of a novel? Like, seriously, you need more sleep. What's so interesting, and I was talking to someone else about this, about, um, you know, the research on willpower, that we have a certain amount of willpower every day and we lose it when we make decisions which is why um when barack obama was a president for example he would wear the same clothes every day so he didn't have to make a decision about the clothes he wore so he could make big decisions about bigger things (laughs) so i i feel like the decision making things around writing fiction particularly tax our willpower so you're making a decision will my character do this or that what will my character say by the time you've written for an hour or two hours or three hours or whatever you do for your fiction writing you've exhausted all of that (laughs) you've 
you've you, you've you've kind of mentally done all of that activity on behalf of a character even though you've just been sitting down or standing up um, writing you might have lived this whole thing uh, in your brain and that's why it's so tiring and sleep can be the way that your body recovers so if anything like if you're listening and you're feeling like my health isn't great like the number one thing that I would suggest is sleep Uh, everything like it's much easier I don't know about you guys but I find it much harder to do the healthy eating if I'm tired right absolutely if you're if you sleep yeah or it's harder to do exercise when you're tired or movement (laughs) so make sure that the number one thing you prioritize is your sleep and there are things like um shut your phone down you know way before you want to go to sleep people you know not like take it to bed with you and be reading like when you're trying to go to sleep don't take your tv out your bedroom um ewan says in the book um oh now you're meddling yeah now, now i'm meddling but, <laughs> you're preaching now you're meddling <laughs> but you know you and you and put in the book you know your bedroom should be for sleep or sex that's it and you're welcome to have sex other places of course <laughs> but you know you should your bedroom should be not for um, this sort of mental stimulation like so I'm stimulation yeah <laughs> sorry but I should be you know I read on my Kindle paperwhite in bed and because you c- the light you can turn the light right down and I know you can do that on your iPad and your iPhone or whatever but the that's really important that there's different types of light stimulate your um you know your mind and keep you awake so i sleep with earplugs and an eye mask as well because my husband you know might get up early or get up in the middle of the night or something so there's different ways that you can improve your sleep but if anything i really recommend that and there's a, a book that i recommend people look at it's called why we sleep by matthew walker so if you think i'm talking a load of crap <laughs> go and read <laughs> why we sleep and you will find that um it, it has links with alzheimer's it has links with blood sugar levels you know diseases psychiatric conditions seriously sleep 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 <laughs> i was i was diagnosed with sleep apnea about two years ago and so i got the got the mask and it has changed my life oh, it really fantastic. has because i actually yeah i actually sleep so totally agree with you joanna and i and i love that you've given people permission to say all i was doing was sitting at my computer typing why am i so exhausted well this is why because you're making you're you're using all this willpower making all these decisions and that is tiring so thank you for giving permission for us to, to sleep and recover in that way <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you get that. And and I, do you know, I think the other thing, I think writers are often very hard on themselves and, you know, we suffer from chronic self-doubt and, you know, there's lots of issues we have. And I think sometimes we think that physical pain is just part of life Um, and it's not. And I do think that you have to make a choice about your physical health. So anyone listening, like right now, just like check in with your body. Is there something that's been hurting like for ages and can you remember when it started hurting like for me it was that elbow pain and that wrist pain and I was like oh my goodness I think this has been going on for two years <laughs> mm. you know or the headaches I thought headaches were not I thought headaches were normal, normal that everybody yeah. got headaches and I have in the book a sort of personal story of headache um and migraine and how I recovered. Like I haven't had a migraine for years. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I've I've had flu related or illness related, but the type of 
pain I used to get in the day job. Also, like my husband, um, we have a chapter about IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, which again, it's like a really personal chapter <laughs> to talk about like <laughs> bowel things. But the fact is that if, you, if you're not eating well and you're not moving, then you will have problems in your digestive system. And again, the kind of gut pain, it's very, very tiring and will give you fatigue. So any kind of pain will fatigue you and thus that kind of impacts everything else you're doing. So what I think part of this is choosing to be kind to yourself. Like if your mm. if your kid came to you and said, "Oh, daddy, you know my tummy hurts." You're going to try and fix that, right? You're going to look after your kid or your or your wife or your husband or your your parent. And why don't we do that for ourselves? Why don't we go, "Oh, you know my tummy hurts. Why don't I fix it?" <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and also listening to that as a signal from your body. So often in America, we have this uh, epidemic right now of people having pain and just wanting to take a pill for the pain. It starts off as Advil or ibuprofen, and then eventually they're on some sort of opioid. And there's this opioid em- epidemic when in reality, that pain is your body saying, I need you to start doing something you're not doing now. Or I need you to stop doing something you are doing now. Like that pain is a a message from your body asking you to change your behavior. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And what's, again, like coming back to my idea about nootropics, like how can I be more productive? You know, and it really is that sleep, that food that nourishes your body and that movement. Um, And I know it can be hard, like if people listening are in a very sedentary life and they don't have great diet it can be very hard to think oh I have to completely change my life and the way I think I've certainly tried to do things in the past have been short-term goals so again this you know ties back into marketing people think oh if I put up a Facebook ad today then tomorrow I'll be number one on Amazon (laughs) and it's the same we think (laughs) oh if I do the paleo diet next week I will be like 20 pounds lighter (laughs) and um, or, you know, I'm going to start writing my first novel and I'll be a millionaire by the time it comes out. You know, these these things are I don't know why human nature is like this, but what seems to happen is health in the same way that the writing practice in the same way that marketing works is it's cumulative. So you make these small things every day. You know, maybe you do um, a picture on Instagram every day at the same time you uh, change one thing or maybe you just get the, the standing desk topper or you take a 10 minute walk or you know there's another book I want to recommend actually it's called mini habits uh, which is fantastic and it's really about these little changes that you can make uh, in your life instead of going oh I must change dramatically which you will find very hard to stick to it's doing a little bit at a time did you find yourself as you were going, you made this choice, you said, I want to be healthy. Did you uh, have someone you did this with or that inspired you or encouraged you, you inspired them? Or was this something you did kind of on your own? That's a really great question. And I mean, I knew this a while back, like I left when I left my day job back in 2011, I thought 
oh, right, and now I'll have all the time I need to do all the exercise and I'll be really healthy and slim. (laughs) Which, you know, and then I'm like, oh no, I'm building a writing career. So between like 2011 and 2015, um, I probably got worse with my health. I became a full-time writer and I fell into a lot of bad habits. I mean, I would work, I was working like 10, 12 hours a day. I was working longer hours because I wasn't commuting. (laughs) So, I mean, it's kind of crazy that way. And then... Um, I hired my husband out of his job and we moved. So this is actually, and I know this is a radical shift, but part of the reason we moved house and we moved out of London was so we could have a more active life. Um, Mm. And I started walking a lot more so we live by the canal I walk walk along the canal a lot and I also because I'm a goal-driven person I started booking events so I do ultra marathons now (laughs) uh, which is kind of crazy I never thought I would be the type of person who did ultra marathons but um I do where you're wait a minute you're you're running ultra no walking I'm walking ultra marathons oh walking walking it's still the same mileage that's (laughs) Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. It's still it's still so I wow. so I did a hundred kilometers, um, you know, in a weekend. And I oh do fifty kilometers in a day, and I've the next one I've booked is one hundred and six kilometers around the Isle of Wight in Britain, which is an island in over two days. So, you know, I'm doing I set these goals. Oh so an, uh, you'd obviously people listening, you don't need to do such extreme stuff, but setting a goal for me in the same way as finishing a book really helps me do the things in the meantime because we know that to achieve the goal of finishing a book we have to write and in order to achieve a goal of walking 100k in a weekend I have to walk and train for that event so that was really important but what's again what's really interesting since the book came out so when the book was about to come out I felt like I need the next step. And I I had fallen off the sugar wagon. Uh, I had written that letter earlier in the year and I fell off the wagon and I, I was like, I'm not in control of what I'm doing. And so I've been actually seeing a health coach for the first time in my life. And it's so interesting. I mean, we spend so much time as writers investing in our education around our brains, right? We go to conferences on writing, marketing. How many of us are listening to all these podcasts on marketing? (laughs) I mean, we know a lot about this stuff. And I realized I don't know enough about my physical self. I really don't. I am not educated on what's happening to my body as a 42-year-old woman. I just don't know. So I've actually been working a lot on some of those things that, you know, are, are deep and meaningful around my relationship with food. And and it's so, it's fascinating. So if people listening, again, if you've tried these things multiple times and they're not working and you can have some money in your budget for working with a health coach or for investing in your education around health I actually think that that will pay massive dividends um, going forwards yeah because as an author you are your biggest asset Mm. it's it's not like you have an oil well or a ranch and it's like well the better the soil is the more cows I can have it's like no no one else can write your book but you and if your health is keeping you from writing books or if better health will help you write more books or better books or both then why wouldn't you want to invest in that asset of your body like that is your primary asset and it's the one that's the most temporal right you build a building it can last for generations but one person can only last for one lifetime and so 
being healthy is so critical for being successful. Yeah. I think it's so important. And I'm so thankful you wrote this book. And I can't wait for the audiobook <laughs> version to come out, which I hear is on the verge of, of releasing. It is. It's, it's almost there. But I think also, um, yes, being healthier will help you be more productive. But I also think there's a lot of happiness involved Uh, you know if you're in pain and you're popping pills every day because you're in pain and let's face it a lot of people do that it doesn't solve the problem and you know part of the reason we become writers is because we love writing (laughs) and and that love that passion for what we do let's not kill it by turning it into a physically painful (laughs) thing Um, and what's so interesting with dictation for example a lot of people only end up dictating when they cannot physically type any longer and um you know it's so it's so interesting how people get to that point so i would advise like dictation is something that i try and do now for my first draft um uh, i've I've done three books now in fact my chapters in the healthy writer were dictated as were a lot of ewan's um it, it helps with your voice. It helps with getting the first draft done without bashing a lot of keys. <laughs> um, you know, it helps with a lot of things, but also it will, it protects you in different ways. It will protect you if something does happen. Don't leave it until like the last minute when you're in a really bad way. So that's why I'm saying like check in with your body. And what I found is I think about it like onion layers, you know, so you think, oh, my elbow hurts. Okay, so you like, the first thing I need to do is fix my elbow or the first thing I need to do is fix my headaches. And then once you fix that, you start to discover other things so like my headaches really were my back pain were the the first things that I needed to fix and then it was like oh do you know what I'm now going to look at my movement my the food I eat how am I going to tackle that question and what's so wonderful really as writers we get to go deep into ourselves in so many ways and this is another way to go deep and I know that some people listening, they may have turned off by now, but, you know, this is a challenging topic. Our physical bodies for writers who sit behind screens and most of us don't put our faces in the world, let alone our bodies. This is a tough area. But again, we're writers. We tackle tough topics. So, you know, let's man and woman up, everyone. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) sort out your health and you will write faster and you will be happier. Oh, I love it. I love it. Joanna, where is the best place to pick up a copy of the book? You can find The Healthy Writer at all the usual places. It's available in print and ebook and soon to be available in audiobook. And I, of course, I have a podcast, The Creative Pen Podcast, and my website is thecreativepen.com. And unsurprisingly, I'm on Twitter at The Creative Pen if you have any questions. All right. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by the Rubart Writing Academy. Uh, Jim, tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, this spring, my son Taylor and I are doing our second and third live in-person Rubart Writing Academies, where you'll learn what you need to do to become a best-selling award-winning author. It's a four-day event where I'll teach you exactly what I did to reach those writing dreams. And we design a personalized roadmap for you, specific to you, because everyone's different. Everyone's at a different point in their journey. And so during the Academy and afterwards, we will give you a customized plan to show you what you need to do step by step, get rid of the confusion, get rid of the frustration. And we would love to see you there. The first one is in April, the 12th through the 15th in the Spokane Coeur d'Alene area. 
And the second one is May 3rd through the 6th in Lake Chelan, gorgeous Lake Chelan, Washington. Space is limited, so if you're interested, uh, you can go to rubartwritingacademy.com and get all the details. You've been listening to James L. Rubart, Thomas Umstead Jr., and Joanna Penn, friend of the show on the Novel Marketing <laughs> <Yay>! Podcast, <laughs> giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.